Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring players like all-star catcher Buster Posey. It's about, you know, just going out and, and trying to have passion for the game that I've loved since I was a kid. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Sun First Solar, known for delivering solar excellence since 1984 and recently voted best solar company in Marin County. We're also brought to you by TPC Harding Park, the only public golf course in San Francisco offering golfers the opportunity to play where the pros play. Coming up, we're going to talk to former Giants reliever George Contos, who is joining NBC Sports Bay Area as a studio analyst. But first, I want to tell you about my favorite golf course, TPC Harding Park in San Francisco. TPC Harding Park is closed to the public right now as the PGA Championship will be played there August the 6th through the 9th. On August the 11th, the golf course will open up again for public play. The broadcast schedule for the PGA Championship on Thursday, August the 6th, ESPN will have live coverage starting at 1 p.m. Pacific time, same time on Friday on ESPN, and then ESPN will broadcast on Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. CBS will follow that up at 1 o'clock Pacific time, and then we'll have the schedule on Sunday of 9 a.m. on ESPN and noon on CBS All Pacific time. Get out to TPC Harding Park after the PGA Championship again. The course opens up on August the 11th. Now let's get to the conversation I had with former Giants reliever George Contos, now with NBC Sports Bay Area. Well, George, thanks a lot for spending some time with us, and we're going to talk about what's going on in baseball with COVID-19 and everything. But first of all, how about you? Uh, you know, might have caught some people by surprise to find out that you retired. Tell us about going uh, into the season, you know, what your thoughts were and what went into your decision to retire, and how excited are you to be working with NBC Sports Bay Area? Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was one of those off-seasons where I, I had – you know, put in all the effort I trained and I was lifting and throwing and, and my intent was to play. And as the off season kind of progressed, um, you know, I had been making continuously, you know, every, every year you try to find something to get better on and, and just keep finding ways to get a little bit better, a little bit better. And, you know, I knew that uh, the, the way the game was trending, velocity was one thing that was just going to be, you know, heavily weighted in decisions for, you know, teams signing people, you know, guys, guys nowadays, it seems like want guys who have very good stuff thinking they can teach them, you know, how to get out as opposed to maybe the other way where guys who have proven that they can get out, but don't do it in the sexy, high velocity, high octane way, um, you know, are kind of a little bit not frowned upon, but um, not quite as, as, you know, sexy as, as those guys who have those other tools. So my focus was just to try and you know, get my delivery and maximize my strength and output from the velocity standpoint. And, you know, I was throwing, everything was feeling great. I was getting up to, you know, 90, 92 in my bullpens, which was significantly harder than I had ever thrown prior to the season uh, here in, in the off season in my workouts. Um, and I had had a bunch of workouts with teams and I, and, you know, I had looked good. All the feedback was great. You look great. Your arm feels, or your arm looks free and easy. Um, you know, we love the way your stuff looks, you're locating everything, but 
nothing really came to fruition from those workouts. I had been talking to a couple teams, and once spring training started, I had kind of just said that was my date, where if I hadn't signed anywhere and go into a spring training, that was going to be the end of it. So uh, once spring training kind of started and I was still a free agent, I had been in contact with uh, NBC Sports Bay Area throughout the whole offseason, and they were unbelievably patient with me on my decision um, just because it obviously is a life and career, you know, change and, and decision. So um, they were wonderful. I called them and said that I was all in on the uh, broadcasting slash media analyst uh, side of things now, and uh, that's kind of how it all came to fruition. Yeah, and everybody's excited to see you. Uh, I understand it's going to be, what, early August? Is your first time on NBC Sports Bay Area? Yeah, my first uh, my first scheduled games are August third through fifth against Colorado. But later in the season, I definitely have some uh, I have some Dodger games and some A's games. So I'm looking forward to kind of be thrown right into the fire with some awesome rivalries that the Giants have. Yeah, what are you most looking forward to as far as transitioning into uh, television and into the media? Well, I mean, the the first of all, I, I love baseball, and I've said this a couple times on on a few different you know outlets that I've been on. But I'm just super happy and um, humbled and appreciative that I'm still going to be able to be around the game and talking about the game that, you know, I've, I've loved since I was five years old. Um, and it's even better and icing on the cake that I get to come back and do it for San Francisco and for the Giants where, um, you know, the history that I was a part of is, I think, some of the best history that the organization has to offer. So um, I'm very, very excited to get to come back and hang out in a place and, and cover a place where I have so many great memories and I'm looking forward to uh, – you know, this new chapter and, and covering the Giants moving forward. And we'll be talking about the Giants here in just a little bit, but uh, there was big news here this morning before we started taping this podcast that the Florida Marlins-Baltimore Orioles game has been postponed. The Marlins have 14 members of their team, George, that have tested positive, at least 14. And then the Yankees and Phillies game has also been postponed because the Marlins played the Phillies, and now the Phillies are worried about their team. I mean, this is really bad news. We don't know where it's going to go from here. Uh, but to hear about this, you just wonder about what's going to happen uh, throughout baseball. So as a player, you know, any, any player that's out there, uh, whether you're on one of those teams or any other team, how much concern do you have? What are players thinking, you, do you think, this morning? Uh, I, I definitely think there's concern. I mean, before the season even started throughout the summer camp 2.0 uh, a few weeks back, uh, all the interviews that you read with players deciding to opt out and just voicing their concerns through – you know their interviews and, and stuff with with the reporters for their teams. I think it's in the back. It's been in the back of guys' minds this whole time, and it's a, it's unfortunate, but also it would have been a little bit irresponsible to think that this season would have gone completely smooth with no little you know hiccups or stuff like this popping up. And I think now it's just about how um, it's how the response is and and how you move forward from it. Um, I think will be very telling to if the season will be able to continue as planned. Um, but I think, guys, first and foremost, the organizations, the players, the staff members, safety is the first and foremost thing. You know, there's no long-term um, information on what this could do if you contract COVID. So I think just being able to go out and, you know, uh, ensure everyone's safety is the most important thing. And hopefully hopefully we can get through this little hiccup slash spike um, without it kind of being the collapse of the season. So, it's, I, you know, it's, it's a scary thing. It's something that's unfortunate. Um, but hopefully we can be proactive and we can get through this with uh, as, as little, um, you know, kind of backlash or, or um, you know, 
without everything blowing up. How difficult do you think this is for players to go along with all of the protocols? Because, I mean, you've already seen it. You've seen players high-fiving each other after a home run. Uh, you know, they're trying their best, but, you know, to not be able to throw the ball around the horn or not be able to spit and all, all the things that they're trying to do. I mean, I would think that it's a pretty big challenge for a lot of players because you just sort of second nature-wise, uh, you're doing some of those things. Absolutely. I mean, uh... The, the, the first thing that came to my mind, just being, you know, a pitcher my entire career, is, uh, you know, the spitting on the mound or licking your fingers or, or things like that that you don't even think about. When you're on the mound, your, your main focus is to go out there and compete and execute pitches. And as it should be, you're out there playing at the highest level of, of baseball in the world. So your, your focus should be on getting the batters out, executing pitches, locating whatever you're going to be throwing. Um, so spitting, licking your fingers, stuff like that, I think it's, it's great to say that those protocols are going to be, you know, put into play and don't spit, don't that. To be, to be completely honest, having have, having the, ex, the players expected to follow them, I think would be very difficult because it's something you don't even think about. You know, even even the, uh, you know, home run stuff. As I've been watching, your guys are still giving high fives. Guys are still, you know, whether it's batting gloves or one person has a batting glove and one person doesn't have a batting glove. These are just second nature things that that it, it's very difficult in the moment to try and remember and catch yourself not to do. We'll continue with George Contos in just a moment. Jones goes back, back near the wall, shading the sun, and he dropped it. He lost the ball in the sun. Let's put the sun to good use at home with a Sun Power residential solar system. Your Sun Power elite dealer, Sun First Solar, has a wide range of financing options, and they provide the finest customer service from start to finish, regardless of size or scope. Sun First Solar offers the highest efficiency systems, newest technology, and the best warranty in the world. Sun First Solar offers the most competitive price, while not compromising on quality. This summer, let the sun heat your pool and eliminate your energy bill. Don't drop the ball. Call Sun First Solar at 415-458-5870. That's 415-458-5870. And get your Sun Power solar system today. What about the season being a, you know, a short season like this? You don't have any fans in the stands, yet you have the shorter season. So I'm wondering about the intensity level because you, you have to kind of ratchet it up a little bit when every game is worth 2.7 uh, you know, times what a normal game is worth, yet you don't have like a real crowd there. So how do you think players are reacting to that? I think it's difficult. I mean, I, I, I think that certain players react differently under certain stresses and stuff like that. I was always a player where, you know, when I was going in my live BPs or even in spring training, it wasn't quite that same intensity as when you got into a real game with the, the decks and all the people and the bright lights. And while all that other stuff is, is still there now, the, not having fans, for me, I, I, I got in the games and I was, my adrenaline would spike. And that's what allowed me to get you know, competitive and aggressive and doing all the things that I did. Some people, you know, aren't, aren't like that, and they, they maybe function a little bit differently and they can get themselves going. But I think it's definitely going to be a learning experience, you know, from what you from what I've heard and seen now. They, they're pumping in some crowd noise. They're, you know, even in the Dodgers-Giants series that we just watched, some of the players were saying they were pumping in such loud noise that it kind of was a little bit, mimicking mimicking of real fans but also a little bit loud at times where you really have to focus on what you were doing so um you know again this is an unprecedented situation i think everyone just has to kind of 
roll with the punches and, and everyone will fall in their learning curve wherever it may affect them. That almost sounded like you were describing what's going on with the Giants pitching staff, and I'm, I'm curious uh, how you would have reacted to it and, and what your take is on how the Giants pitchers are reacting to the way Gabe Kapler is managing games. And, you know, I don't know that he's going to do it this way the whole season, but right now you've got starters that are not going very deep into games. You've got bulk relievers. I know uh, Kevin Gosman, he didn't sound like he was too much into that. He just wanted to be a starter. And I wonder, George, about the effect on a bullpen when you're using so many relievers. And I know the roster right now is up to 30, but that's going to be uh, lessened. They're going to knock that down as far as the number later so the effect on a bullpen if you keep using it the way they're using it now well i i my personal opinion is and i'm going to go back to bruce bochi just for a second but his greatest strength in my opinion on top of being a great manager was how he managed the bullpen right and he put guys in positions that he thought and i would imagine if you'd ask all these players that they felt they were going to go in there and have success in you know boach made it very clear when i was when i was there that um you know, I, he, he liked me coming in after the starter, whether it was like in the fifth inning or sixth inning, and then going that one or one plus and getting the ball into the seventh or eighth to, you know, Javi or Jeremy or, or Romo or whoever it was that was going to come in and be the bridge to the, the later innings. And I knew that when the phone rang in those situations, it was going to be my name that was called. So I was mentally ready. I had stretched out. And once the phone rang and Gard, uh, Gardy came and would say my name, I'd be hopping up, ready to go. I knew what my role was. In these situations now where it's kind of just all hands on deck at any point in time, you know, everyone kind of just doesn't know what to expect quite yet. And I know it's early, and I know you're gonna, we're going to see some probably unconventional things this year, especially from the Giants and the way that they're thinking of, you know, how they're best uh, suited to win ball games. Um, but I, I think – in order to give your pitchers the the best chance to, to succeed, they have to have confidence go, uh, going into these situations, knowing what their job and what is expected of them. Um, I remember in 2017, early in the season, we kind of did this little round round robin thing where where you know everyone was kind of just all hands on deck. And I think within the first two weeks, we had scrapped that, and some roles were starting to be given, just because that's you know in my opinion the the best way that guys who are routine oriented like relievers are function at their highest level yeah i mean there's a routine and then there's burning out the bullpen early i mean it seemed like gabe kapler was managing on sunday like it was game seven of the world series i know he wants to win that game it was big to get that split and everything but you're using all of these relievers and and pulling the starters early george i mean johnny cueto's your ace pitcher on opening day he's doing pretty well and then he's pulled after four innings i i don't know that that's the best way uh to take care of you know starters and then using the bullpen so early yeah, you know, that, that was very kind of shocking to me just because we've seen through the entire off, like little the break that we had through the COVID stuff in, you know, March, April, May, June. Johnny Cueto was getting his work in. He was facing live guys. He was ready to go. He's been in the big leagues for, what, 12, 13 years. He's, he's a veteran guy. He's ready to go. I guarantee you Johnny Cueto was ready to go. And I think we even saw in the dugout his displeasure with being taken out. Um but, you know, that's the one thing is, is, is it's, it's a new guy now. Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy, so he's going to run things his way. And I'm sure with Farhan, they've had their, their, they've had their discussions on what the best course of action is for the ball club. And uh, I think right now it's just putting one foot in front of the other, going day by day, and everyone's just kind of learning on the fly. 
Um, you know, another big thing that I noticed was how do you not see Jeff Samarja in in that Dodger series? That Dodger series, he is uh, going into the season. I would imagine their number two starter and guy who's been there a long time, guy who's very competitive. Um, I know that you know he may not have had some results in those inner squads that were as favorable as people may have liked, but he's still Jeff Samarja. He's still competitive. He's still going to go out there and leave it all on the field for you. Um, so I think right now it's just one of those learning curves where you put one foot in front of the other day by day and you try to establish what is going to make you successful moving forward throughout this short, unprecedented season. Well, I mean, the reason I heard for Samarja not starting in L.A. was that you know the Dodgers are a better hitting team against right-handers. But to me, that makes no sense, George. I mean, he, here's a guy, you said it, he's the number two starter. He's an innings eater. Uh, you know, he's going to be one of your best guys. And when you have a short season like this and every game is so meaningful, I was shocked that he wasn't out there to start one of the games. And then I looked up some numbers too, George. The Dodgers hit 215 against Samarja last year. 215 in his three starts that he made against them. So it's not that he's not effective against the Dodgers. I just found that to be bizarre. I'm still trying to figure out how he didn't start against them, but he is going to start in the home opener against the Padres on Tuesday. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's one of those things where, where I think everything, everybody – involved in the situation was pretty hush-hush when, when being asked about it throughout this series as well. So not many answers were being given. I mean, Jeff himself, I don't think, did any interviews, or none that I had read at least. Um, so, uh, again, like I said, there, there's, there's new people in town that are running the Giants organization now. It's you know, no longer the Brian Sabians and Bruce Bochies where you pretty much knew what you were going to get. Now it's Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler and uh, they're going to do what they think is, is best for the organization, and I, I think we're just going to have to wait and see if that plan of attack works. Let's get a little national reaction and hear what Christopher Mad Dog Russo had to say on his MLB Network show, High Heat. I don't like what the Giants are doing with these pitching staffs. If you don't know, I mean, you can't tell me they don't know who the starter is until 4 o'clock before the day of the game. I mean, whether they're doing it for gamesmanship, I mean, whatever the case, there's no way you can tell me that when a pitcher who's going to start the next day, when he leaves the stadium the night before, doesn't know he's going to get the ball. Uh, I don't know what the design is there by Gabe Kapler, but I don't like it, nor did the Dodgers. And the Giants actually did a good job by winning a couple of games as far as the weekend was concerned at Dodger Stadium. But I announced the starting pitcher is, will you please? I mean, this is silly. That's Christopher Mad Dog Russo on MLB Network. You know, not announcing the starter. How does that affect things as far as the ball club? Because I got to be honest, George, it doesn't matter so much, you know, for broadcasters. You know, we might be upset because we don't know who's starting. And then who cares if he makes the opposing manager upset? Because, you know, Dave Roberts said something about gamesmanship. I don't know if I care as much about that. But what I do care about is what about the pitchers on the team if they don't know until later? Like, like you said, the routines and being able to prepare for the game. Well, I think that goes for everybody. You know, I, I this isn't this isn't like some some big secret. You know, at some point you have to announce who's going to start. I think they probably knew who was going to start and maybe just stalling on it a little bit. But but exactly. I mean, if you if you go to bed the night before and you have no idea you're going to be the starting pitcher, I think that it just involves a little bit more stress and anxiety waiting to know who it's going to be. I know that me as a player, I wouldn't have liked going in. And they're saying, oh, you may start. And I didn't know from at least the day before to prepare and get a good night's sleep and do all that stuff. Not that I wouldn't have been doing it anyways, but it's just a peace of mind of mentally preparing yourself for pitching in a Major League Baseball game against the Los Angeles Dodgers the next day. Um, 
So it's just one of those things where I, I think, again, everyone's just kind of getting their feet wet in this new style of, um, you know, giant baseball that we're going to see this year and moving forward. We'll have more with George Contos right after this. We all know that solar systems make financial sense and environmental sense. And when it comes to choosing the best installation crew in the business, Sun First Solar should be your first choice. Sun First Solar has provided solar excellence since 1984. They are SunPower Elite Commercial and Elite Residential Installers with a reputation for technical excellence, innovative design, fair pricing, excellent customer service, and end-to-end quality and competence. SunFirst Solar is a family business devoted to treating their employees, customers, the community, and the environment with respect, and they are devoted to renewable energy and sustainability throughout the Bay Area. There is no roof or project that is too complicated. SunFirst has successfully installed solar on Spanish tile roofs, metal roofs, and very steep roofs. They also have extensive experience in solar ground mounts and solar pool heating. Competitive pricing, expert consultation, and the best warranty. Go local and get your Sun Power solar system from Sun First Solar today. Call Sun First Solar at 415-458-5870. That's 415-458-5870. There are some really good arms in this bullpen. There's no doubt. And we've seen Trevor Gott get a couple of saves the last two days. So he's getting the opportunity right now to be the closer. Now, for my money, I want to see Sean Anderson as the closer, George. I mean, I just think his combination of that fastball that can get up to, what, 97 miles an hour and that wipeout slider. And, you know, you threw a slider. The one that he has, if he perfects that, I mean, I think he's going to be really unhittable. What do you think about the bullpen situation and the closer in particular? Yeah, I think that uh, that was the one takeaway from the bullpen that I that I really was impressed with was Sean Anderson coming in and you know he's got really good stuff and he's got a demeanor and a kind of presence on the mound that is a little bit for me Hunter Strickland like. Uh-huh. Um, he's he's got this very um, you know calm focused demeanor. He's got a little bit of the Hunter Strickland body type, good stuff. Um, but that slider he was throwing was was really really good, and you could you could see that once he hones everything in a little bit more, and you know I don't want to say calms it down, but really gets the delivery uh, repeatable every pitch, where you don't have a few of those fastballs that kind of get away that he's trying to throw maybe down and in, and he misses um, high and outside to a lefty. Um, once he kind of hones that in and gets going, he's you know I mean he's already nasty, but he's going to be really really good. Um, you know, in a couple in a couple. Things I maybe they're trying to ease Tony Watson in a little bit, but you know when he didn't come in to face I believe Muncy um, that lefty lefty matchup, you know it was kind of just I was wondering in what direction you know he's going to be used and Trevor God obviously did did a great job, but the guy who's got the bulk of late inning appearances in that bullpen is Tony Watson. I think this is his you know 11th or 12th major league season, and most of those appearances have been at the back end of a bullpen. So. Um, it'll be, again, trial and error, seeing who fits where, and they definitely have some guys who can handle those late innings, though. Yeah, I mean, there are options there. And Sean Anderson was a closer in college, and I know that's a totally different thing, but at Florida he was a closer, then he was a starter in pro ball. But do you think he has the mentality? Uh, you know, Would he be a guy that you think you know has that mentality to be the closer? Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely think he's not afraid and does not shy away from any situation. And the biggest thing about handling those situations is just managing your emotions. And it's not necessarily being scared, but not not letting 
the uh, the moment just kind of get too big and dictate you. You should always be able to dictate the moment and control the moment. Uh, you know, the guy who I can think of who's not a reliever that does this unbelievably well is Madison Bumgarner. The guy was able to every pitch just stay stay locked in and committed to every pitch. And as easy as it is to, to say it and to think about that process, in the moment it's unbelievably difficult to just focus on one pitch at one time. But but Sean's got that kind of mentality, and he looks like he has unbelievably good stuff from what I've seen so far. Um, and I look forward to seeing a lot more of him. Yeah, I think about him as being one of the players that's uh, real promising for the future. Logan Webb as well on the mound. And what about as far as position players? Mauricio Dubon, Jalen Davis, they definitely had some – bright spots there. Uh, Dubon, especially on Sunday, you know, he had a big hit that gave the Giants the lead. Looks like he can play out there in center field, too. I mean, I know he's learning, but what did you think about the way he was playing defensively? I thought he he did a great job. You know, he's a guy who plays hard. He's always moving. He's always diving. Um, I like the attitude of having a little bit of a slow start the first couple games and not letting it get to him and coming out with a good attitude and, you know, getting a single here, a double there, contributing, knocking in a couple runs. Um, I think they have some versatile players, and if they can stick to good fundamentals that the Giants have always done, uh, you know, timely hitting, good defense, and good pitching, um, I think, you know, who knows what can happen throughout this year. But those are the fundamentals that have made the Giants baseball successful. And even though it's mostly a new group of guys, I think it's the same principles that are going to get the job done. Yeah, it seems like Dubon, I mean, his goal would be to be, you know, as, as good as a guy like Chris Taylor on the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers because, you know, if a guy can play different positions and, and and he doesn't look out of place, whether he's in the outfield or the infield, I think that's important. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And and it, all it can do, having that increased versatility, is just increase your stock and make you more important. So the more versatile you can be, the better it is for you. So we're talking about some young players, but you don't have Buster Posey for the whole season, and I wanted to get your take on you know how much the Giants will be missing him. And then you're also missing Brandon Belt and Evan Longoria right now. I mean, they're going to come back, but uh, you know, you've know you got those veteran guys that are, are expected to be leaders, like Pablo has been playing, and Hunter Pence, even though he doesn't have a hit yet, but he's you know helping out as far as in the clubhouse. How important will all of those guys be to help along a lot of these young guys who don't have the experience? Oh, I think those guys are tremendously important. And from what I've what read already, some of those younger guys have already credited guys like Hunter Pence and Brandon Crawford and, you know, Belton Longoria, who are not playing, obviously, but still offering their um, veteran experiences on how to keep focused and how to bounce back. Um, you know, Buster Posey, uh, Buster Posey obviously, is, is you know, the, the face of this franchise right now and not having him there. He is an, he's an irre- irreplaceable guy in that clubhouse he's the catcher he's the guy who's been there for forever he's the guy who you know puts all the fingers down for all the pitchers um there's really there's really no replacing a Buster Posey unfortunately so they're just going to have to you know move on this year and do what they can to in in whatever capacity they can replace a guy like him it seems like the Giants sort of have a, a chip on their shoulder based on what Dubon was saying yesterday on Twitter. I, I saw you know some comments about uh, how you know other team other uh, people don't really believe in the Giants. That's sort of the way it was when you guys got to the postseason before. We talked about that in the last podcast. You guys were never the favorites. Uh, do you think that maybe helps a clubhouse that you know nobody's nobody was picking the Giants, but you know especially with the new playoff format, of course they have a chance. Well, of course. I mean, and, and, you know, Dubon's saying all the right things, and, and I hope that actually is the right attitude because it is. The Giants, the, 
even in the years that I was there in 2012, 14, and then our brief uh, 2016 uh, playoffs, which which was you know an unfortunate blow for us, but um, you know we were never we were never favored to win anything on paper. Everyone always picked everybody else to win. We just went out there and we played good, solid, cohesive, fundamental baseball, and we just had the team chemistry and push each other and had that will to win. And, you know, what Dubon's saying right now, we're four games in, but they just played the Dodgers to two and two, who are arguably supposed to be the best team in the big leagues, you know, them or the Yankees. Um, and they, they played pretty well. You know, the, the way they turned it around the last couple games was, was great to see. And it was definitely encouraging that they can keep that momentum and, and keep that rolling. This season's going to be a, a sprint. It's no longer that 162 game marathon. There's going to be no dog days of summer. This is this season just started, and in a, in a snap of your fingers, it's going to be the last week or two because that's how fast it goes. And if they can just keep playing good baseball and you know not not let games get away, and and if they have leads and secure them late in the games, you know who knows where they could be come another you know five six weeks. Yeah, he said we're fighters. I know nobody gives a crap about us, but that's the neat thing. And I, I mean, sometimes it's it's difficult for a young guy like that, a rookie to say something like that, sort of step up. But, uh, you know, if you have the personality for it, I guess other uh, players on the team will accept that, right? Yeah, I mean, I agree. And it's great that a young player like that is, is doing it because the older guys like Brandon Bell, Brandon Crawford, they're not maybe saying it in the media, but I guarantee you they're saying it in the clubhouse to each other. Those guys are leaders by example. They play the game the right way, and they want to win because they've been there and they have won before. And nobody likes losing after you've been winning or have experienced winning and know what that feels like. So I think everybody who shows up to that to that ballpark every day and puts on that uniform is going out there and they're giving it their all, trying to win, and they know that anything can happen if you just go out there and play good baseball. By the way, one of the reasons the Giants got a split is that Mookie Betts was 3-for-20 uh, in that series, but you know that he can do it all. You could see you know, the flashes of his brilliance. He's got that contract now, that over $300 million, what was it, $360 million contract. Do you think that's going to create some pressure for him? He doesn't look like a guy that's going to be bothered by that, though. No, I, th- I think he's very confident, and I think he's, he, he knows what he does well. And he just kind of keeps the blinders on and plays good baseball. He's one of those guys where I don't think the ego is a big deal for him. He just goes out there. He plays the game hard. You know, he looks like he has fun when he plays. And he's got a ton of tools on both sides of the, of the field. So, you know, I think congratulations to him. Very well deserving of the contract. And I don't think that uh, there's going to be much pressure. I, I think it, the pressure of the new contract might be overshadowed by how unprecedented this season is. And you just got to go out there every day and focus on what you can control. All right, the last thing, uh, there were some really good catches. We saw uh, Dubon made a diving catch, and we saw Ruff, Ruff ran right through the left field fence. That was kind of funny. Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know if he was going to take on that fence like that, but that was pretty interesting. And uh, Alex Dickerson made a nice catch near the stands, and I was wondering, George, what would have happened in 2003 with the Cubs against the Marlins if, let's say, there were no fans, there was no Bartman <laughs> then <laughs> you know they, you make a catch near the stands there are no fans there it's a lot easier i'll tell you what if there's no fans in the stands in 2003 i was on i was on waveland during that game when that happened i, <laughs> I didn't remember that I was, okay. I, was, I was a freshman at northwestern and i was on waveland when that steve bartman thing happened and i think if there's no fans in the stands there i know moises alu has come out and said after the fact that he probably would not have caught it but I'd be willing to bet the house that if there was not one person in the stands there, Alou catches that ball 
and the Cubs go on to the World Series that year. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a lot different without the fans, like we already talked about. George, thanks a lot for the time. Uh, really looking forward to seeing you on NBC Sports Bay Area. Again, that's starting on August the 3rd through the 5th for that series. You're going to do a great job because you're a natural for this, so it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I appreciate you spending some time today. My pleasure. Great chatting with you, Joe. That's former Giants reliever George Contos, now with NBC Sports Bay Area. Join us again next week for another edition of Inside China Basin from the Believe Podcast Network. For now, I'm Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.